The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Well, turn to Matthew chapter 27, if you would, this morning. This morning we're going to continue our series, Last Words Matter, and we're, uh, we're kind of winding down a little bit on that. Of course, next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, and we're going to maybe close up this series on that day. But in Matthew chapter 27, we're going to go down to verse 45, Matthew 27, 45, and here is the next saying uh, from our Lord from the cross, and Matthew 27, verse 45, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over the land, <clears throat> and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near, they heard this, and they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, and he filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest says, Now leave him alone, and let's see if Elijah comes to save him. As we look at this next saying from the cross this morning, uh, the anguish of our Savior on on Calvary was foretold in Psalms chapter 22. And if you would like to, you can turn over to Psalms chapter 22, and I would encourage you to read this entire Psalms at some point. But today I just want to share with you the first eight verses. Now, this is a prophecy of Jesus on the cross before crucifixion was ever used. So, you know, sometimes people struggle with, with Christ and the, the truth of Scripture, but when something is, is a prophecy, something that's foretold thousands of years before it happened, and the thing that's interesting to me is a picture of crucifixion before Romans ever even used it, before it was ever even heard of, and, and that's the picture we have in Psalms chapter 22, and it's really that whole Psalms, but verse 1 through 8 we're going to look at what it says and can compare it to what Jesus said from the cross. And he says, starting in verse 1 of Psalms 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, Jesus is not quoting this scripture. This is a prophecy that will be said when Christ is on the cross. Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, and by night... Am, and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One, and you are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust, and they trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved, and in you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm, not a man. Now, isn't that interesting? We're going to come back to that in just a minute. So, I want you to be thinking about this morning what that must mean, as this is a prophecy of Christ on the cross, for I'm a worm, not a man. I'm scourged by men. Of course, you know, leading up to the cross, Jesus was scourged, uh, and I'm despised by the people. All who see me, they mock me, and they hurl insults, and they shake their heads, and say, He trusts in the Lord, let the Lord rescue him. And let him deliver him since he delights in him. So let God deliver him since he delights in God. And that was a, a prophecy. And these words of Jesus from the cross, uh, 
they were such significant that God saw fit to tell about them. So Jesus, God, through uh, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, I want, I want to write down, I want you to record all the words spoken from Christ on the cross. So evidently there's some great significance uh, that's occurring during this point of the crucifixion. So that's what I want us to talk about this morning. This morning, and and literally, the 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 Christ screamed these words from the cross. He uh, he says, "What's what's what's going on?" And 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 what what made Jesus's words so loud that would make him cry out for this? And I think it should be pointed out that for three hours there's been total darkness. Now. That's from the sixth hour to the ninth hour in Jewish, in, in, a, in Jewish time. So for us, that's about noon till three. When the sun should be at its, at its brightest, Jesus cries out in anguish and darkness covers the land. Now, something I want us to think about in this darkness is, is last night at some point it got dark, didn't it? But it really didn't get that dark. I've told you before, you know, we uh, have you ever been to a cavern? And I don't know if they even do this anymore, but, you know, they used to get you down in a cavern and turn out all the lights. Now, that's darkness. If you've never done that, you ought to do that sometimes. I always tell, and I know I've told you all this, the lady said, y'all all sit down. There were some benches and, and rock formations and said, we're going to turn the lights out. And, uh, and I, I just stood there, you know, and she said, everybody sit down. And I just stood there. I thought, I ain't sitting down. And when she turned that light off, boy, I started going. <laughs> I, could, I lost my balance because there's nothing. You, you literally can't see anything. So at this point, that's the darkness that covered the land. I mean, this is, this is complete darkness. It's not just a, an evening where the moon is shining and the stars are shining, but, but this complete darkness covers the land. So what, what is about that? I mean, why, why would this be included in, in uh, Christ and, and in a picture of Him on the cross and in the words that He had to say? And, and for three hours, Jesus was, a, was accomplishing the mission that He came to do. I mean, Christ came and He tells us in Scripture that He came to be an atoning sacrifice for sins. He, he came to be, to pay the price of death for our sins. And, and during those three hours, the sins of the world was poured out upon the Lord. And, and the, the darkness during those hours, Jesus was accomplishing the, the goal that He came to do. And, and Jesus being the infinite Son of God, He, He was able to suffer just a, just a finite period of time time, uh, a period of three hours, what you and I being finite human beings would have to suffer for an infinite period of time. See, because Romans says the wages of sin is death, and, and Christ came and He paid that price of death, and instead of us having to suffer for an infinite period of time, in those three hours, Christ took our sufferings, He took our sins, He took the sins of the world and, and the sins of every person here. And every person that's been born and every person that will be born, Christ took all of those sins and God placed them upon Jesus Christ. Now, when I say that, does that mean, well, all of a sudden uh, I'm going to be saved regardless? No, we have to accept that forgiveness. We have to confess that we need a Savior. But, but Christ has already paid for our sins. In 1 Peter 2, 24, the Word says, He Himself bore our sins in His body upon the tree. 
That's what Christ done. And, and a lot of times when we think about the cross and we think about the suffering of Christ on the cross, we think about the, the physical suffering. We, we think about uh, spikes that were driven through his, through his wrist and through his ankles. We think about him hanging on the cross. We think about the, the spear that pierced his side. And, and we think about all those physical things that he suffered. But as we look at this picture and as we hear... Christ's words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We see a picture of his spiritual suffering. That, that picture of, of, Christ, of Christ on the cross and, and God the Father abandoning during that time. So why did that happen? Well, God will not and cannot look upon sin. And as he poured out the wrath of sin upon Christ, he turned his back upon Christ, his son. And, and during that time, Christ spiritually had the, had the weight of the world upon him. And we see that in the, in the picture of this fourth cry from the cross. So let's think about the, the spiritual suffering this morning. And, and the first thing, let's think about the darkness around the cross. From, from three, from, from noon to three, when Christ was there and, and this darkness, remember what the Bible says about, about the darkness of the world? Who, who's the prince of this world? Satan is. He's the prince of the world. And, and in Satan, there's darkness. So that goes hand in hand with, with the power of darkness, Satan himself. And, and as this darkness came, that's, that's the time that, that Christ is dealing with Satan and dealing with sin. In 1 Corinthians 2.28, it says, None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And, and, and Colossians 2.15 says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now what is that talking about? That's talking about Satan. That's talking about sin. So during this time of darkness, we need to get that picture that Jesus won the victory over Satan. Jesus won the victory over sin on the cross. And, and as we think about that, and we think he suffered at the hands of Satan, he, he was enduring the wrath of Satan. I think sometimes we, we miss that point when we think about the cross, and, and maybe it's because we don't think about that darkness that often. But, but during that time, he's taken, he's taken all that Satan has to pour upon him. And today, folks, when we feel like we're, 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 being, we're being bombarded by Satan, we need to realize that what Christ done on the cross gave us victory over Satan. He gave us victory over sin. And that was the darkness that filled the land. Here's the second thing, the loneliness upon the cross. Again, I said Romans 6.23, and I don't think I have that scripture, but it, it says the wages of sin is death. Now I want us to think about the, 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 the loneliness on the cross. You know, death is this. When it talks about in Romans 6.23, the death it's talking about is the absence of life. Now that, that makes sense, doesn't it? Well, this death they're talking about is a spiritual death. Who is Christ? Who is God? He says, I'm the life. I, I am life. And, and when we see the loneliness upon the cross, we realize that, that there was an absence of spiritual life. And, and God turned his back. And, and since God is the author of life, it, it follows that to suffer spiritual death is to suffer absence from God. And, and that's what Christ was enduring the absence of God in his life. So, so this is what happened during those three hours when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Listen to what Paul describes this internal, uh, this, uh, eternal punishment. It's in 
2 Thessalonians 1, 9. He says this about this eternal punishment. They will be punished with everlasting destruction, and they'll be shut out from the presence of the Lord. So when we get a picture of, of Christ on the cross, I want you to get a picture of, of first that, that spiritual the spiritual loneliness he had, that, that spiritual abandonment he experienced first for us. Then secondly, this, this loneliness upon the cross that he experienced. Think about that. Have you ever been a place that you've just been alone? There's not many places on earth that we're alone, are there? There's a few. I thought this was interesting. I found this. It said an English doctor conducted an experiment to study the effects of isolation on people. It says he built a soundproof room nine by nine in size and suspended it by a nylon rope. Each participant wore padded fur gloves and heavy woolen socks to eliminate the sensation of touch. Special translucent goggles limited their vision. And after just one hour of isolation, people found it impossible to concentrate. This was followed by feelings of anxiety and panic, and many could not stay for more than just a few hours. That's when, that's when the, this experiment was, because what is it like to be completely isolated? And, and just think about the experience of, of our Lord, the, the loneliness, the isolation of our Lord, our Lord the, the awfulness of those three hours. Jesus endured suffering worse than, than the agonizing pain upon the cross. He, he was forsaken by His Father. I was thinking when I was a child, we, we had a farm and, and it was, uh, we'd go on the weekends, we'd come up and we'd work and shred and, and I was pretty little, I don't know, I was, Anywhere from seven or eight to ten or twelve, I somewhere in those those years, and and we would get on a shredder. Daddy would get on a shredder. We had an old little old Massey Ferguson little tractor with a six foot shredder and eighty acres. You know how long it takes to shred eighty acres with a six foot shredder? Uh, but Daddy, it takes a while. Daddy would get off uh, and get to shredding, and I'd be up at we had a little cabin, and uh, as long as I could hear that shredder, I was all right. But you know, when I couldn't hear it anymore and I couldn't see him anymore, it scared me. Now, I wasn't scared that something was going to get me. I mean, I wasn't scared of any, anything. I was scared because I was all alone. The funny thing is I remember I would listen and I would listen and I'd listen. And finally, I'd hear a stump hit that shredder, you know, and I'd go, okay, he's still here. And, and I, I would even, sometimes I would just walk behind the shredder <laughs> just to be in, the, just to have company, to be in his presence. And, and have you ever done it? Have you ever, have you ever come home sometime and, and nobody's there? And you think, I hope the rapture didn't come and I missed out. You ever done that? You know, I mean, it's, it's something about just being lonely, isn't it? It's something about just being, being left alone. Uh, it's something about being abandoned. And we need to realize as Christ faced that loneliness on the cross, He paid that price that we don't have to have loneliness, that we don't have to be alone. He, he wants us to come into His presence and He said, I've suffered the loneliness. I've suffered the abandonment. And, and I want to come and I want to fill your life and I want you to have my joy that your joy would be complete. So Christ upon the cross, not only was there darkness as He took the sins upon the world, He took the loneliness of an abandoned father, 
upon the cross that we not have to. Here's the last thing, the, the blindness before the cross. Now, think about what we've talked about. We've talked about the, the Jesus Christ went to the cross. There was darkness for three hours as He defeated Satan, as He defeated sin, as He, as he took all the sins of the world upon His shoulders, your sins and my sins, and He took those things. Then Christ, God the Father turned His back. He was abandoned by His friends. He was abandoned by everyone He knew, even God the Father had abandoned Him. He, he took that loneliness upon the cross. And then think about the blindness before the cross. Jesus not only endured those wrath of, of Satan, he, he not only endured the rejection of the Father, but, but He endured the ridicule of men. Listen to this passage of Scripture, Matthew 27, starting in verse 39. Those who passed by hurled insults at Him. They shook their heads. Just, you know, oh my goodness. They, they shook their heads and in the same way the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders, they mocked Him. He saved others, they said, but He can't even save Himself. He's the King of Israel. Let Him come down from the cross and then we'll believe in Him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue Him now if He wants for Him. For He did say, I am the Son of God. You see, the blindness before the cross, the ridicule that men gave Christ upon the cross, it's, it's symptomatic of the blindness that plagued their soul. That, 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 how ironic is that? The one that, that's who's suffering to deliver men, the one who's on the cross who, who just a, a few hours ago we saw said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand what they're doing. That scripture we just read that if they understood, they'd have never sent him to the cross. That same God that was saying, Father, forgive them and, and they're spiritually blind. Father, today, uh, folks, today there's still people who are spiritually blind. In Isaiah 53, 3 through 4, says this, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like from one whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. And surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God and smitten by him and afflicted. In Proverbs eighteen fourteen, Scripture says, A crushed spirit, who can bear it? And then in Isaiah 53, 5, it says that the Lord was crushed by our iniquities. By the benefit of His suffering, of Christ's suffering, by the rejection of the Father, by, by those who ridiculed Him, he gave us victory. He gave us forgiveness. Think about today. We hear more about Christians today negative than we do ever before in our lives, don't we? Now, I'm sure in the past it's been, but, but you know, you can be anything today but a Christian. If you're a Christian, you're backwards, there's something wrong with you, you're, you're non-tolerant, you, you, you don't see others. And, and you know why that is? Because folks are still blind. They're, they're blinded by the power of darkness. In 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. And they don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. 
Folks, we need to realize when we go out into the world today and when we, when we see that persecution, it's the same that went around the cross. The men are there and they're, they're blinded by Satan. They're blinded by the sins of this world. There's an old story of a, of a desert nomad who was awakened hungry in the middle of the night one night and he lit a candle and he began eating some dates out of a bowl beside his bed. He took a bite from one of them and he saw a worm in it. So he threw it out. Then he took another bite of the second date and he found another worm. So he threw it away. And reasoning that he wouldn't have any dates left to eat, if he continued, he just blew out the candle and ate the rest of the dates. Well, many people are like that. They prefer darkness over the light, over the light of reality. We, a few years ago, we, Denise grows these big old blackberries. Y'all may never eat another after today if you've ever ate one. Man, I come home from work and I just walk out to the fence row and I just eat blackberries off the vine there. They're big. Well, she was selling them at the time, and the lady that she sold them to said, there's worms in these blackberries. <laughs> I don't know how many worms I ate, but I didn't slow down. I just quit looking at them. I just started eating them. I thought, if there's a worm in there, he's going to taste like a blackberry, you know. So, And I guess he did, but, but that's how people are today. Instead of looking at the light of reality... They choose the darkness of Satan. And for some reason, people come to their mind and don't realize that, that Christ paid the price and, and Christ was rejected by men. But even though He still offers today salvation, He still offers good news for us. That we don't have to continue to dwell in darkness, but we can come into the light of Christ. If you would, turn over to Psalms chapter 22. I, I want you to look at one passage of Scripture. And I kind of t- touched on this a while ago. I don't know exactly what verse it is. Psalms 22, verse 6. I found something very interesting this, this morning or later last week. We're, Christ, we're this, this picture of Christ on the cross, and He says, But I am a worm and not a man scorned by men and despised by people. What in the world could that mean? I I started studying that word, and I I found this really interesting. I I hope you'll remember this today. The word for worm is kind of a rare word in Hebrew. And, And that word describes a special kind of worm, which they take thousands of others of the same species, and they place it into a huge vat, and they crush these worms to get the blood out of them, to make a beautiful crimson dye. And that crimson dye in the ancient world was a color of royalty. And the kings were, their robes were dyed with this brilliant crimson. So as Christ spoke these words in Psalms Psalms 22, when Jesus said, I am a worm, it was to indicate that he was going to be crushed for man's iniquity. And his blood was going to be shed upon Calvary. And that crimson blood, for us that become believers, we wear a king's robe. Isn't that great? I mean, have you ever thought about that? I've never thought of that. I've read through that scripture. I've read Psalms 122. I've taught on Psalms chapter 22. I've, I've done Bible studies on 
Psalms 22, but I never really looked at that word that he says, I'm a worm. And to realize what Christ was saying, that, that I'll be crushed, that, that my crimson blood will flow, and, and for those that accept Christ, they'll be covered with that as, as robed from a king, as one who, who would have the, the king's robe placed upon them. And, and in Scripture, we see that Jesus tells us that, that He is our very righteousness and that we're, we're clothed in His glory. When we look at this prophecy, we realize that Christ said, you know, because of the shedding of my blood, because I was crushed, and because the, the brilliance of my crimson blood, you can be covered with the blood of Calvary. Jesus died that we might live I want to ask you to bow your heads today, and I want you to think about Christ upon the cross, and, and we're going to think next week about that resurrection. We're going to, we're going to think about that, that, that word that Jesus said, it's finished. I've, I've finished the job I came to do, but this morning, would you think about what Christ endured for you and me upon the cross? There was darkness upon the land while He took the sins of the world, my sins and your sins upon Him. There was abandonment at the cross that God the Father turned His back upon His Son, Jesus Christ. The the people there ridiculed Him. There was blindness around the cross, but Jesus, through prophecy and in Jesus through fulfilling that prophecy, said, you know what, I'm going to be crushed. I'm going to shed my blood and it's going to be crimson red. But it's for you. This morning, would you, would you just think about that? Jesus died on the cross for you because He loves you. He endured the, the, the physical suffering. He endured the spiritual suffering. He defeated sin. He defeated Satan. And listen, folks, He defeated death that we might have life eternal. He said, you got the keys. Here they are. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you'll be saved. Father, this morning I pray as we consider what you did on the cross for us, for me, for you, for everyone here, Father, today I pray that we wouldn't walk and wallow in spiritual blindness. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't simply blow out the light and say, I'm going to continue on in darkness. But, Father, I pray today that your glorious light would shine upon our hearts. Father, I pray if there'd be any today who've never received you as their personal Savior. Father, I pray that that through your Spirit today, we'd know it's, it's simply as simple as asking of believing that you died for us, of asking forgiveness and asking you to come into our heart that we can have eternal life. We can be clothed with the righteousness, with the king's robe. We can become part of God's family and gather at God's table. Father, I pray for for Christians here today, Lord. I pray that we would be recommitted to you. Father, that we would be followers of you as we realize the love that you had for us. Greater love has no man than he would lay down his life for his friends. Father, I pray that we would know as Christians you've laid down your life and you've asked us to live for you, to be your life upon this earth. 
Father, I just thank you for this week. I thank you for your love. I thank you, Father, for, for what you've done for us, what you've done for me. And Lord, I pray in return that I would be your shining light. Even in the face of adversity, even in the face of ridicule, Father, that we would stand firm in you. Lord, I pray now as we have a time of invitation, Lord, I pray that your spirit would move within our hearts. I pray, Lord, that whatever would be distracting us today, we would turn our minds and turn our eyes and turn our focus upon you. And Father, I pray that we would feel the wooing, we'd feel the calling of your spirit upon us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.